<laughs> zero. Let me welcome you back into the second half of uh, our morning's activities following the worship service. Now a time to get acquainted a little bit with uh, Pastor Jeremy and his wife, Ray. And I think, uh, did two of your children break and run on us? I think they did refill. They're at the okay. food. He'll turn that on for you. They're over by the food. They're over by the food. Okay, well, we'll introduce them in a moment, okay? Because I, the, I want these folks to see your kids because they're so incredibly beautiful and handsome. That's what I want them to see. Just one remark regarding the sermon this morning. Some of you have said, I hope, I hope we get a Bible preacher. Sounded like he was preaching the Bible to me this morning. I don't know what you thought, but it sounded like that. So let's begin with uh, some questions. Uh, Jeremy, I guess this one would be for you, but Ray, you can certainly add something if he doesn't cover the bases, okay? Feel free to do that. Tell us about yourself and your background. Well, uh, we are from Arkansas. We're in the center of the state. We're just outside of North Little Rock and Little Rock in Maumelle. And that's where we come from. My wife, and she may want to tell you, but she has lived on the same property for her whole life. So uh, it's, uh, it's neat that she's coming this way. She's had a few times in college and other times. But uh, my background, I was born in Oklahoma, and right. we moved to Kansas Lived in Kansas, Wichita, Hayesville, Wellington area till I was about seven or eight. And we moved to Arkansas and lived in Arkansas um, in various places all throughout the state. Um, up until now, I uh, graduated high school in Arkansas. I went to college at the University of Arkansas Technical School. I got a bachelor's degree in criminal justice. And uh, originally, we, I was a associate pastor to children and youth at a church in Alexander, Arkansas. I was there for about three years, and we did volunteer ministry for a long time. Uh, at some point in there, we went to Africa and did some missionary work. My wife was there for a year, and I was there for about six months before uh, we all came back. And so we got married and went to the mission field. So that was, a, that was an adventure, and it was great. I went into law enforcement for five years, and a bunch of stories and all that stuff that maybe one day you'll get to hear. And then the Lord opened the door to ministry, and I was afraid that He never would again, and I was, uh, it, was, it was a wonderful relief that He did. And so I've been in full-time ministry at a church in North Little Rock called Friendly Chapel. It is an integrated church in the inner city that focuses on homeless outreach and uh, doing soup kitchens and helping the community, and they just love on that community. Uh, it's amazing. And so I've been there for five years. It's coming up on our sixth year. I work primarily with the children, and uh, we have a large children's department. I work with the volunteer team, and we orchestrate all that. And my wife is awesome. She helps me with everything. She is She's the backbone, and she does all the behind-the-scenes work for me, so she's amazing. And then uh, I work with the security team at our church and all that, but uh, 
that's pretty much most of my background, uh, wouldn't you think? And Ray, do you want to tell them anything? Well, you covered most of it. My uh, wife, I will say for her, she is the granddaughter of, you want to tell them? Of what? She's the granddaughter of two Nazarene ministers yes. uh, on her mother's side and her father's side. Uh, Brother Paul Holderfield, Sr. is her grandfather, and Joe Wilson, uh, Reverend Joe Wilson is her other grandfather. And she went to Nazarene, uh, Southern Nazarene University, and graduated from there. Some of you guys may have went with her, uh, a couple there. And what else? I was raised in the Nazarene Church in South Arkansas. We, we were always moving, and uh, we always plugged into one of the churches, in the Nazarene churches in that area. So We just moved down off the same card. How do you feel about children's ministry? Well, we have been in children's ministry uh, every step of the way. Children is children are the future of the church, and you need to start a foundation uh, when they're young. Foundation that they can, as they get to teenagers, that can be built upon, and then at some point there will be a passing of the baton to that next generation. And if we don't raise up our children, there's not going to be anyone to pass the baton to. So, children's ministry is very important. How, uh, a question I think probably is normally asked in a process like this. It was of me across the years. Uh, why are you leaving or interested in leaving your current situation? It's difficult because we don't want to leave. But uh, the call is to, to preach. Um, I get to talk to kids. I love talking to kids and doing the children's ministry. But it is a different animal altogether as uh, preaching to adults. Uh, children's ministry, it's more of a, I've got to have a three-minute window where I'm going to teach them something, and then a five-minute window of doing something different that's fun, and then a three-minute window of teaching, and then a five-minute, and you're always changing, 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 because their attention span is about two minutes long, and you've got to be continually... Let me just add, that's similar to this congregation. So. <laughs> Perfect! Yeah. Time for a video! Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's different. We're, we're called uh, to preach, uh, so the yeah, opportunity to preach is here, So it's so. going to be very difficult leaving our current assignment. We are loved, we are valued, we are appreciated, we love the church, we love the people, um, so there's no like, oh, we've, we need to find a new place to go. It's the calling of the Lord, and um, when we... The way things have been orchestrating, we know that um, that this is something that the Lord is calling both of us to. And um, so anyway. Okay. What are your thoughts on community service and evangelism and outreach? I think that's the call of all believers, that we are to be evangelizing, that we are to be reaching out to the community. And... Uh, Giving the gospel. I mean, there should be an urgency if we believe what the Bible says because the fact of the matter is there are people who are dying without faith in Jesus. And uh, that is a very scary prospect. 
And it's something that we should say, uh, let's go reach the lost. So I think it's important. And sometimes we're fishing. We're fishing. And it used to be, uh, I'm about to get off on a track, but you're fishing. It used to be you just threw out a net and you'd catch a hundred. Hey, the doors are open. Come to the church. And everybody would come in. But we've kind of come to a point where we're doing the old rod and reel fishing one at a time. And we're throwing out bait. You know, you got to have some bait. So um, they're not going to just jump on the hook. So I think it's awesome that you guys are doing coffee and the cafe and some of these events. Uh, that's bait. Let's hook them, you know. So. Give an example of a time you were challenged or criticized mm. and how you handled it. I don't know. That's a great question. And uh, I don't know. I would have to think about it. But probably in law enforcement, it was different. Um, not necessarily in the church. I was challenged every day and dealt with criticism every day, literally. Um, when it comes to the church, I think one of the reasons that we are looking to step into a lead pastor role is we're not being challenged as much as we would like to be. Children's ministry, we love it, but we got it on a track and it's rolling and it's going. And so the, it has its own challenges, but we're ready to step into a role that is going to stretch us a little. So um, when it comes to challenge, that's one of the reasons we're here. We want a challenge um, to, to bring glory to God and to build the kingdom. As in law enforcement, you certainly had to deal with... Uh... Uh, what do I want to say? Pushback and and yeah. uh, conf- conflict. Yeah, yeah. You pretty much get invited into everybody's conflict, and uh, you know, people that just didn't like you just because. Yeah, you wear you wear a uniform. As soon as you walk in, they don't like you, which they don't know you. But um, one of the cool things they teach you is they teach you different things to deal with conflict. And basically what it boils down to is treat people nice. Treat them nice. Whether you're having to do something that they don't want to do, hey, I'm having to give you a no-contact order because you beat your wife up and you're going to be going to jail and you can't come back for a week. But even when you're doing that, even though you're dealing with something that is horrible and they're angry and shouting at you, you still can be nice and say, man, hey, you did this to yourself, you know. Uh, I'm not. I'm not a part of this situation. I'm just cleaning up the mess. So, uh, yes, yeah, we uh, we dealt with conflict, and and that's uh, that's okay. Conflict is a part of life. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Except you don't get to use handcuffs in church ministry. Oh, no. That's what, what I've heard. Oh, we use stun guns. <laughs> you lift your mic up a little okay. bit, Ray. How does Ray see her role in the church? Obviously, busy with a family. Does she generally serve in certain areas? Um, You know, normally I... So my background is education. And so I have a just a natural um, pull towards children. And so I see myself as still working um, with the children and the youth. I want to, you know, volunteer and be a part of that. Um, but I also 
like to be active in the church. Um, so, you know, I want to get to know everyone, um, just love on everyone. Okay. So, Will you teach how to know Jesus personally? Me or Ray? You. Yes, that is, uh, that's the whole reason. One of the main reasons we're here, one of the other reasons is we need to encourage each other as a body, to build each other up, to edify each other, and because uh, sometimes you get out in life and it beats you up. But the other goal is to teach people about Christ, about salvation, and to reach out to the lost. That's what we're here, to make disciples. You know, that is our theme in the Church of Nazarene, to make disciples. So yes, it is important to teach people about Jesus and a relationship with Him. Can you please talk about your vision of equity and inclusion in the church? Mm. These are tough questions, and the reason they're tough is because of semantics. Semantics, uh, when one person hears a word, um, they have different definitions. If someone says that person is tall and they're short, to them it is tall. But someone who's tall and they say that person's short, to them it is short. So they're both talking about the same thing, but they're using different perspectives and they're using different definitions. And so we deal with equity and inclusion and other words. The thing is coming together and understanding what the... Let's get on the same page on what these definitions mean, and then we can move forward. But as far as equity inclusion, we are to include everyone. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. doesn't matter if you're white, brown, red, yellow, black, any color, where you come from, it doesn't matter. Everyone should be welcome into the church of Jesus Christ. Uh, when it comes to equity... I view equity and when my understanding is that, and it may be a wrong understanding when it comes to definitions, and the understanding I have is everyone will have the equal outcome, equal outcome. And in Scripture, we see two different passages that kind of, is it, it may, it's a balancing there. Because you see the story, the parable of Jesus where he is inviting workers into the field and he invites them in the morning and he invites them at noon and he invites them in the evening. And, he, and then when they all come to get paid, he gives them all the same. So they're getting the same equity. But also we see different parts of Scripture where he's talking about the parable of the talents where he says, uh, I gave one guy ten talents. I gave one guy five talents. I gave one guy two or two or one. I can't remember the numbers. But he gave them different talents. So it wasn't equitable, equal in every aspect. Everybody gets the same. Everybody gets the same in the kingdom of heaven. So those are very difficult topics and things to study in Scripture. But what I come back to is, no matter who you are, what you look like, or who you, where you come from, we are called to love everyone and to spread the seed of the gospel of Jesus Christ everywhere. On the path, on the rocky soil, everywhere we are to spread the love and gospel of Jesus Christ. And I don't know if whoever asked that, if that answered it properly, but 
Maybe talk to me later. We can uh, discuss it further. Okay. Here's a tough one for you. Um, that one wasn't a tough one? No, no, no. <laughs> We're getting into the meat and potatoes now. Oh. What's the best part of being a dad? I'd cry. You see their smiles That is right there. a tough question because there's so much to it. But uh, I think one of my favorite times is when we come together at night at Bible study and we get to talk at Bible study. And a lot of times Ray's leading it, but sometimes I get to lead it and I just usually ramble and they're like, we already heard that, but... I love those moments with the kids and uh, loving on them and hugging on them. And I guess they're at an age right now where they still love dad. And they still want to be around dad. And they still think dad is cool. And uh, I guess that's my favorite part is they still are just in love with their parents. And hopefully they never lose it. Hopefully you don't lose that. That one son, Jace, is sitting on the front row going, come on, Dad. Tell me some more. more. Tell me some more, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what would you pray that God will accomplish through you in this church? Probably or any church that you would serve as. Growth. Spiritual growth in the people that are already there. Growth in faith. Growth in the fruit of the Spirit, growth and love with each other, and also numerical growth, uh, growth of the people and bringing more people to. But it's all about growing. Uh, growing. We, Jesus uses horticulture terms, uh, talking about plants and growing and growth and fruit. And uh, we need to be growing in all, all ways of the church. That is the goal. And if we're not growing, then... It's usually a sign that there is an impediment that needs to be removed or fixed so that we can continue to grow. What, um, great answer. What, do you, what would you say are you, your two top strengths? What do you see as your strengths? Just a couple of them. And what is your leadership style? I, uh, I'm pretty laid back. but So my strengths... I like to preach the Word, and I like to study. And I like to talk to people. I like to talk to people. Some people I can tell that they're like, uh, we need to save him from these people. They're talking to him too much. But I like to talk to people. Um, so I guess that would be one of my strengths. And as far as talking about leadership style, um, I want to encourage people, and I want to uplift people, and sometimes when people are discouraged, and they're frustrated, and they're all those things, they do not um, perform or work together as a church in the way that they should. It's hard to be successful when you walk in and you're bitter or angry or upset about something that happened two weeks or a month or whatever. So in leadership, I want everybody to let go of all of the, the frustrations, to be encouraged, and to motivate them. And the thing when it comes to motivating people, everybody is motivated by different things. Some people, if I say, hey, man, it's good to see you today, you look nice, or you did a good job on this, or a good job on that, 
that motivates them and they want to keep doing more and more and more. And some people, you say that to them and that's not a big deal. Um, so you have to learn what motivates people and that sometimes that's getting to know them individually to know what makes them tick and what motivates them. The other thing is you've got to know what discourages people. Some people, they get discouraged if you don't shake their hand and say hi to them every Sunday. Well, guess what? I need to know that. I need to learn that. And if that helps to motivate people to continue to serve, then we need to do that. Some people, criticism is helpful for them. Hey, I criticize you and say, hey, uh, constructively, this needs to be a little better or whatever. And they, it shuts them down. And some people, they can take that and they can say, man, I'm going to do better, and they go forward. So I think when it comes to leadership, you need to know who, who you're leading. You need to love them, and you need to encourage them. And also, you have to make tough decisions. There are tough decisions to be made, and you have to get everybody on board, and we all have to go in the same direction. We don't need to have, when leadership, we make a decision or we say we're going to go this route, and you have a few over here saying, I wouldn't have done that. That's going to fail. Well, if half of us are looking for failure, then we're probably going to get what we're looking for. We need to be united and to push forward together, even if it isn't always what we would individually do. Let me ask you a question personally. Mm -hmm. Um, Because we've we've talked about words today. Mm -hmm. What, What does the word pastor mean to you? Mm. I associate pastor, I associate it with shepherd. And a shepherd, you know, they do train the sheep, you know, hey, don't stay next to me and all these things. There's training, but it's also just watching out for the sheep when one's wandering off, coming and lovingly bring them back. It's also saying, hey, there's a danger spot over here. Don't go over here. Uh, It's dangerous. And I'm not saying that the pastor needs to be meddling in people's lives. That's not what I'm saying. Or controlling your lives. Not at all. But I'm saying a shepherd loves the sheep, looks after the sheep, and uh, keeps the flock together. When a shepherd's not there, the flock scatters. Mm -hmm. And a pastor, the job in many ways is to help protect the flock, is what I associate with a pastor. And I think also for Jeremy and I as, um, you know, the pastor family is to do life together. And, um, you know, we're all on a journey together. Mm-hmm. And we want to share in your joys, your pains, your hurts, and just be there as, you know, family and do life with you. Um, maybe a difficult question. Uh, I think this is a two-parter. If you were called to a church as pastor, or to this church in specifically, um, would this be a stepping stone, or do you see this like a marriage where you stay together through the good times and the bad? And I think, Ray, you kind of referred to that. But uh, either of you want to address that. What is your commitment to the church you're called to. It is definitely, uh, it's not a stepping stone. If you know me, I am not a very ambitious man. I'm a simple man. But 
uh, it is, you're coming together as family. And the idea is when you come somewhere, you're going to stay there until the Lord calls you somewhere else or you feel that nudging to go somewhere else. And He may never do that, but He might. So it's a tough question because you come in and saying, this is my family. This is the family of God, my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'm here as long as the Lord has me, but you don't know what the Lord's plans are. Um, But our plans... (laughs) So, yeah, God may call us somewhere else one day, but our plans is, you know, we want a place where our children um, grow up. We want them to be planted somewhere. Um, these are important years for them, and sure. moving is is difficult um, for adults, but imagine being a child. And so um, this isn't necessarily, this isn't a stepping stone. This is a, you know, we're coming to, to plant ourselves and um, to be with you guys and, and a place for our children to grow. My wife has lived on the same place for 42 years. Yes, so. I live on the same street that I grew up on. And so um, moving around a lot is not something that I foresee in my future. <laughs> How do you feel like you will adjust to that? Well, I mean, it's going to be difficult, but... Um, Here's what I told um, the board when we interviewed with them. Um, When you're called into ministry, and I as a teenager even felt called to a ministry, and I I thought that call was to be a missionary. And so I told them I could be halfway around the world or I could be in Colorado. Mm -hmm. So, you know. (laughs) Take your choice. Uh, Yeah. So, but, you know. We recognize the fact that when you enter ministry, God calls you places. Um, So it's going to be difficult. There will be tears. I will need you guys just as much as you may need us um, because you're going to fill a void for me. Um, My kids have already called, said Jane will become their grandmother. And, you know, because right now they live next door to grandma and grandpa. And so... um, you know, it's going to be a transition for us, and it's going to be hard, um, but it's something that we've definitely spent a lot of hours in prayer about. So, uh, Pastor, uh, communication is important. Um, maybe you could share with us how you communicate with, your, with uh, other members of your staff, whether they're volunteer or other staff members at the church or with the congregation basically uh, families of children now, H- how do you make sure people are getting the message that, not just the preached message, but just communicating what's going on in your department? Um, when it comes to communication, you have to find out what is effective. I don't think you grab any method whatsoever and say, we're using this method no matter what. Like email. I have email, but it's probably not the best method of communication for me. Um, People text me and I get it right then. That's probably the best method of communication. But if other people, email is the best method of communication for them, then you use email. So when you come into a church or a children's ministry or whatever, if the best method that the people can get the message 
is through mailing them a flyer in the mail, then you mail them a flyer in the mail. If the best method is email or Facebook or whatever it is, that's what you use. I've known a church that they put up a flyer in the bathroom. When you walk in the bathroom, there's a flyer that tells all the events and everything going on. You know about that, Judy. Everything that's happening. That's the best method for them because people go in the bathroom every service and they see it. Uh, some people, they communicate on a screen every Sunday. They put a, announcements and say, this is what's going to happen this, this week, this week, this week. Some people do it through a bulletin. There's all different methods. And the question when you come into a church is, what method works best with the church and the people that we have and whatever their limitations technologically or whatever, and you use that method. So I don't know what method I would use here, but uh, that would probably be my philosophy on communicating events and things that are going on. Okay. A little tougher one, perhaps. Is John Wesley's theology still the standard of the Church of the Nazarene? Mm. Is it still? It was once. I think what we're seeing, and this is... I'll tell you, you'll learn this about me. I will just tell you what's on my mind. And, uh, and if you, you want to talk about it, then we can talk about it. And you may change my mind. You may change my mind. I am not a closed book. I study the Bible and I learn things all the time. And I'm like, that has changed my perspective in some ways about some things. So when it comes to this question, is the John Wesley the standard for the Church of the Nazarene? I would say I think we're seeing different pockets across the country who have different ideas. Uh, in South Arkansas, is a lot different thinking, a lot different even thinking about John Wesley, as there is in Massachusetts, as there is in California, as there is all over the place. So the answer is yes, verbally. Everyone says yes, we believe in the theology of Wesley, but you're seeing different churches kind of have different cultures throughout the country, and so uh, I don't know if that answered the question, but the church is definitely, there's some changes happening slowly, and uh, it's something that we need to be guardians of God's Word, for sure. It's It's a difficult time in our country, and even in Christianity, so I think it's a time that we need to be watchful for the truth and to worship in spirit and truth. And so I don't know if that answered the question adequately, but that's probably how I would explain it. Here's a political question for you. (laughs) I just threw that in so you know. Uh, What's your opinion of locking down the church again, if so determined by the government? (sighs) (laughs) I'm glad they didn't ask me that. Um. You can pass. I think uh, it is a situation with a lot of different factors. And currently, I am not in favor of shutting down the church. With the factors we have placed right now, with what's going on, I don't see anything that says, let's shut down the church. I'm more apt to say, let's open it up more. But, in the future... There may be factors that change. I can't see what's going to happen in the future. It may come out and say there's a new virus that's got 80% mortality rate. 
Okay, that's probably something we would need to talk about and think about. Um, so right now I say no, but I don't know what's coming down the road. And I'm in favor of staying open and being the church, even in the midst of hard times. Well, you fell on the right side of that for <laughs> for those for, clapping for twelve people. There we go. There were no boos, so. <laughs> but I think it's also good to do your live streaming. There are people who they watch on live streaming because of whatever's going on in their life personally or what concerns they have. And so it's not like you don't have the option to be a part in some ways of the church through other methods like live streaming. So, And since, the, since we were allowed back into church, we still have about 30% of this congregation mm-hmm. that's watching it on stream yeah. every Sunday. About yeah. two-thirds of us are here in the building. Do you believe Jesus could return any time? I hope so. Yeah. The sooner the better. I'm ready. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Colorado has about 60% of its constituency that does not attend church each Sunday. Mm. Do you have ideas for how to keep them connected? Are they connected? They're not. Good question. If they're not connected, I think we've got to uh, do some fishing and reach out. And there are people that we all know that we can reach out to. I mean, the pastor's not going to come in and reach into your circle of influence at work, at school, in your family, and pull those people in. That is a circle of influence that you have, and you can help pull those people in. The pastor might preach to them when they come on Sunday, but the job is the job of the church in reaching out to those 60% who have no knowledge or know anything. So uh, my idea is let's build up the church and let the church be the church, and we should grow. We should grow. I have one more question, and let me tell you what we're going to do after this question. I'm going to invite uh, their children to join us up here, and I want to pray over them. Mm-hmm. And then we will dismiss them. If you have other questions, I encourage you to come and speak to them personally because they're not running from you, not afraid of you. But my impression, which is uh, very surface in the sense that we've just met literally as well, is that they're not here begging us to call them to come and be their pastor, be, be our pastor. They're here just like you are. Asking God to bring revelation to them based on this meeting, meeting with the board and other things. So they are here. They sit before you, stand before you, preach before you as an opportunity for us to have a glimpse into their life and then to wait as they do to see what God would create out of this. What do you want to do with us, Lord? So, this final question, another serious one. Uh, Are you drawn to DC Comics or Marvel Comics? Mm. If DC Comics, is it Batman or Superman? Okay. If Marvel, uh, is it Wolverine or Captain America? I would probably go with the 
Batman. Batman. (laughs) (laughs) It's over. Just lost it. (laughs) No way. No. I mean, I don't have a... I care. I like Batman because he's not. Uh, he's just a regular Joe, but he's rich, so he can, uh, you know, he's just like me. He's just like me. He just got tools. So the other guys, I can't relate to Wolverine. I don't have those powers. So. Let me tell you, having gone through this process myself on more than one occasion, there aren't many organizations where the CEO or the potential CEO comes and meets with all the stockholders. Only in the church do we do that. But uh, thank you for coming and sharing with us today. Kids, would you come and join us up here? Just stand here around your mom and dad. Yeah. This is a great-looking bunch of kids. (laughs) Look at them. Those girls are beautiful, and these guys are handsome, and that's great. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we bow in your presence today because we need you. We're just a bunch of uh, folks who are in the process of trying to make decisions, and one that is very big for all of us in this room. And Father, I pray especially today for Jeremy and Ray and these fine kids. And I ask that your perfect will would be revealed to them as well as to this congregation. And that when all is said and done, should it be determined that it is your will for them to come here, I pray that we will be their greatest cheerleaders. And Father, if it is your will for them to continue to serve where they are or perhaps in some other place, I pray that we will take with us fond memories of this weekend. But Father, I pray, should they come here, that you will lead these kids as they transfer to a new school. And this mom, as she moves to a new place, And suddenly needs new folks to step in and fill the gaps that she'll be missing from some of that family. And I pray for this pastor. That, Father, you would enlighten him and inspire him and encourage him and give him strength and courage and wisdom. And the anointing of your Holy Spirit upon him every day that he walks through these mountains, this little mountain town. Father, we give you thanks today for the opportunity to be together in this setting and for bringing these new friends into our lives. And we ask your anointing upon them and us as we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Anything left on the snack table? Because I'm heading that direction. So uh, God bless you. You are dismissed. If you want to greet them, please feel free to come and do that.